Welcome to episode 12 of the F1 show for the 2007 European Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and it was a pretty crazy race today, and uh, why don't you tell us about it? Rain, rain, come and stay, Alonzo wins and makes McLaren's day. In a wet and dry nail-biter, McLaren comes up aces with Fernando Alonso winning the European Grand Prix. Massa put in an incredible scrap with the race winner, but had to settle for silver in his Ferrari. An ecstatic Mark Webber collected a podium, podium finish for Red Bull, his first since Monaco in 2005 and only the second of his career. Alexander Wirtz fought hard with Webber for the podium, but happily took fourth, duplicating his best result of the season. David Coulthard finished an impressive fifth, considering his early off, and collected an additional four points for Red Bull. Also in the points were Nick Heidfeld, then Robert Kubica for BMW Sauber, and Heike Kovalainen for Renault. Nine cars could not reach the end of this race, including pole winner Kimi Raikkonen, whose terrible German luck continues despite bringing his grandmother to the race clad in Ferrari red. And we are sad to report that Lewis Hamilton's nine-race streak of podium finishes has come to an end, with the Brit only managing ninth after a brutal race weekend which included a heavy qualifying shunt and more than a couple of racing incidents. Considering that, it was another brilliant drive for the current driver's points leader. Now, to sum up all the things that happened in this race, I'm just going to go, oh, oh my God, that was nuts. Pretty much. I mean, my notes, I uh, talk about Hamilton's start. He made a brilliant start, um, starting 10th on the grid, actually made it up to 4th in, uh, in, on you know, the first half of the first lap. Um, and then he had a, a tire puncture. And my notes after that say, uh, rained. <laughs> which just mixed up the rest of the grid and of all people marcus winkelhock who is doing his first f1 drive wait, wait, ever wait, out there winkel who winkelhock winkel what the uh spiker driver who started last on the grid it's his first f1 race ever winkelhock they decided to uh to start him on intermediate tires instead of everyone else was on dry tires and he ended up leading the race uh for for a couple of laps there and when they had they actually had to stop the race they had to red flag it because it was just too wet cars were sliding off the track and uh, and Winkelhock ended up being the first guy um, on the restart, so he started last and first in his Formula One debut. So that was that was pretty wild. Well, of all the race teams, of all the race engineers and strategists and team managers, it was Spiker that said, "You know what? They're predicting rain. We're going to put rain tires on before the start of the race." They were the only team to do that, and showed very well for them. I'm sure uh, Super Funds was very very happy with that. See, I, I would have, I'm surprised that not as many teams did that. I mean, it seems like teams like a Spiker is an obvious choice, because what have they got to lose? The guy is starting last, and if it's a bad call, you're still last. Yeah. And if it's a good call, hey, he made it, he made it up to first place. I mean, that's the, you know, just definition of a, a winning bet there. Um, but even Super Aguri could have done that, even the Scuderia Toro Rosso's could have done that. And and surprise and even the the front runners I mean yeah it's a big gamble but you know it ended up where where all those cars everyone except Marcus Winkelhock had to had to pit to put on wet tires and uh, and that means that he just shuffled his way up to the front so well uh, how about Lewis Hamilton he started tenth after his uh, qualifying issues which we'll get to in a minute I mean he had someone that was someone who had a lot more to gain than lose yeah definitely and you know he had, he did make a tire gamble later on in the race which I guess we'll get to um, going on to. Uh, <laughs> Going on to dry tires too soon, and uh, and you know ended up getting getting kind of wiggly for a while, and and you know probably he blames that he says you know he would have been able to get into the points had he you know gotten the tires call uh, a bit better later on. So they gambled too late, you know, and, and to do that. But if he'd started the race in tenth on uh, on proper intermediate tires, that would have been huge. 
Well, Lewis Hamilton in tires has been a drama since Saturday. In Q3 of qualifying, with about five minutes to go, he had a right front tire failure. Actually, a, a wheel failure, they well, say. Well, a wheel failure, which rubbed against the tire, which caused the tire to fail. This happened mid-corner. He was carrying a lot of Gs. Long story short, straight lines off into the gravel, bounces over the gravel, hits the tire wall quite hard, shakes him up pretty good. He's out for qualifying, has to go to his backup car, ends up starting 10th. Yeah, the McLaren guys had to work really hard overnight to uh, get that the same engine because what the, the, the way the rules are, the engine has to be the same, and if they change engines, that's, that's a 10-spot grid penalty. Which would have so, been 20th. So that he would have started 20th. So what the guys did is they basically built a new car around the existing engine and transmission of, of Hamilton's crashed car, which is sort of a weird way to, uh, to go about it, but that's what they have to do to be within the rules. And he was able to start 10th. The doctors cleared him, said he was okay to race and everything. So, And this is despite being carried out on a stretcher with an IV in his arm and a neck brace, because it was a pretty bad shunt. He was pretty shaken up and didn't seem really like he wanted to stand when he first got out of the car. Yeah, he did look pretty shaken, and there were you know, some, in, some worries when we first saw the clip. We just caught the end of it. Um, you know, the, as the cameras are trying to trying to catch up on what happened, and we thought, oh no, you know, Hamilton's made his mistake, or you know, this is it. He's gone off the road, or maybe he's even gotten hurt. And uh, he did give a thumbs up as he was going into the into the ambulance. But still, you know, any time a driver's in a shunt like that, uh, you still, you know, you just you gotta, you know, make sure he's gonna be okay. You worry a little bit about what's going on with the car and with the driver. So he's okay, and uh, you know, did a brilliant start to get from tenth up to. Was it up to fourth spot? Yeah, he was uh, tenth to fourth in spot. And and let's be clear, this was not his mistake. It was a wheel failure, which caused a tile failure. It was nothing in his control that did that. And and so he's all shaken up. He does start the race. He's fourth place after a few corners. Does really well. Has another tire puncture. <laughs> Luckily, this one wasn't quite as dramatic. It just slowed him down. He did. He was able to make his way back to the pits. Yep, but he was he was ninth before he knew it, and I think he fell back even farther than that before he finally got to the pits. And at that point, it started raining really hard, and cars were just going off. At the end of turn one was was a huge spot. I think we had five cars off in one corner. Jensen Button was off. Fidantonio Liuzzi in a dramatic way where he actually went off the track going backwards and ran into the uh, the tractor that was there to pick up some of the other stopped cars. Yep, yep. Um, who Z- else? Zutil was off, Rosberg and Speed. Yeah. All were off, and... And our, Lewis boy, Hamilton. and our boy Lewis Hamilton. And of those drivers, Lewis was the only one to keep the engine running. And that means that if he can be put back on the track, he's still on the race. Which he was. And which he, was. he did. So there was no damage to his car. He uh, he just... Well, that that's not true. There was yeah, very slight he, damage he to the He kissed front wing. the tire wall with his front wing, but, uh, you know, it was just... Very lucky, I think, more than anything else, that he had just, you know, not too much speed where he could be off through the gravel trap, that he just, just barely kissed the wall, uh, as he came to a stop there. Yeah, that was luck, but keeping the engine running, that was skill. That takes, that takes, uh, a level head, even in that situation. Yeah, really upfront thinking there. So, but since, uh, so since he's, he's stopped off the side of the track and, and the, the race gets red flagged, he's shut down, so Lewis Hamilton is a lap down at this point. Um, although he does get to go around the rest of the field, uh, do this, this whole list, you know, lucky dog, uh, safety car regulation where, uh, the rest of the field is going by. Um, so Lewis Hamilton then is, is, is back on the, on the, on the lead lap. Um, but he goes in to change tires and goes on to dries. Um, because as the, as the race is shut down, the sun comes back out. It stops raining and everyone is sort of just mixed up as to what to do because we just shut down the race because of really, really heavy rain. Everyone's sliding this way and that. And yet here they are on the restart, and a dry line is showing up. Sun's out. Yeah, the sun's out. It's it's warm. The temperature's way up. going up. So Hamilton goes, uh, and the McLaren guys go on and say, make a gamble to say, okay, we're going to be the first on dry tires. This will be great. 
And uh, they put him on dries, so uh, he's still way way far back, but he's on dry tires. But that was a big gamble. That was a big gamble and did not end up paying off for him. He he was quick. He was definitely quick. But on those first few laps, it was still pretty wet in spots and still hairy, and he did have a couple of moments. He had another. He had a couple more offs, and he was quite a bit slower for the first four laps than everybody else. And then he started picking up. He was just a little bit faster, and then he was a lot faster. But the other teams reacted pretty quickly. Their guys were in within a lap of it starting to dry up, and he was basically the uh, the test monkey at that point. Yeah. They were they could go off of his times and realize where where the track was drying. Yeah, there's usually one driver. I remember it being Alex Verts uh, like in Hungary last year. You know, the first guy to go off on the dry tires, and you always think this is either going to be great or he's going to just spin way off the track and go nuts. And so every usually it's spin way off. Usually it is, uh, and and you know, and it was spin way off in the case of Hamilton, but not enough to to you know wreck the car or anything like that. So he was able to keep going, but. Um, you know, all the other teams then are just watching Lewis Hamilton's lap times just with an eagle with eagle eyes because you know they want to see how fast are the dry tires compared to what we're running and what is the optimal lap to switch over. So he was, like I say, he was a test monkey for everyone else, and it, his strategy really didn't end up paying off. Um, once he was up to speed, he had some. You know, the track was drying out. He had some wicked laps. Yeah, he, he was fastest up. lap for a while. But uh, it was not enough to get him anywhere better than tenth, which is actually, or he got up to ninth. He did. He did get around uh, truly and. Uh, Fisichella and end up ninth. Yeah, so it's only actually one spot better than he started. So it's, you know, on paper it doesn't look like much of a race, but it was actually just a hugely dramatic race for he, Lewis Hamilton. He earned his, he earned his money today, and, uh, you know, I think this further uh, solidifies the fact that he's worth more than his current contract is paying him. But that race went dry for a while. Lewis Hamilton was fighting, and sure enough, with about ten laps to go... The clouds open up again, and it starts to rain again. There's this whole other schmazzle with everyone's got to switch back to intermediate tires. And uh, it was just, I mean, a lot to follow. And, I, you know, we're probably missing parts here of, of things oh, that have happened we're missing in there. big parts. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just trying, to, just trying to keep on top of everything that went on because our notes are all a bit scrambled. But, um, well, and that takes us to six laps to go, where Massa, who in the dry had a comfortable lead of seven or eight seconds over second place Fernando Alonso, is suddenly has his rearview mirrors filled with McLaren pewter. And that ends up being about a two- or three-lap brilliant scrap between the two drivers. Yeah, a really good, just, at, you know, it's the last stint, so, so fuel doesn't, you know, the pit stop doesn't play into it. It's just a battle for position. The cars are neck and neck. They're two good drivers and two great cars. I mean, you know, it's really the kind of battles we really love to see in Formula One, and, and this really kept us on the edges of our seats. This was three laps worth of Alonso being all over Massa. Massa turning in at the last possible moment, just maybe he cut him off, maybe blocked, maybe didn't. Hernando tucking his nose one way, tucking his nose the other way, looking for spots, trying to pass trying on the to run outside, each other off the road, trying to run <laughs> yeah. each other off the road. They touched twice, and finally, with three laps to go, Fernando pulls this ballsy. Kick-ass move on Massa. They touch mid-pass. Mid Fernando gets around and is a rocket off and just unbelievably brilliant. Yeah, I don't know if Massa just decided to sort of concede the victory at that point or what, but he Massa really had nothing for Alonso after that. I mean, the, in the dry, the, the McLaren just seemed to really walk away from the Ferrari. So that's Yeah, it seemed like it was wet enough that... The McLarens had an advantage for one reason or the other. I don't know if their car was set up to be a little bit more friendly in these conditions or if Fernando's just more comfortable in those conditions or what, but it was still wet enough that Fernando definitely had an edge. 
And it ended up being kind of a little bitter pill for Massa to swallow. And he wasn't too happy with Alonso at the end of the race. Bitter pill, I think, is a bit of an understatement there. They, uh, as they first got out of the cars, you know, they, the usual handshake and so on, but then they actually got into some yelling at each other in Spanish before they, you know, you know Ron Dennis told Fernando to calm down and... Portuguese, I think, but maybe, maybe Spanish. Yeah, the website said Spanish. And, uh, uh and, and then on the, and on, and in the interviews and on the podium, I mean, Massa was just visibly pissed. And Alonso, the, the McLaren guys were, were sort of strangely jovial. I mean, um, Ron Dennis, um, you know, Making funny gestures at Michael Schumacher because the way it worked out was Michael Schumacher presented the constructors' cho- trophy. And yet another ironic twist to this whole. Yeah, he so you know Michael Schumacher presenting the, the constructors' trophy to Ron Dennis at McLaren. Obviously, he would much rather be handing it to his guy for for you know for a Ferrari victory. But, Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's I don't know who, quite who set that up, but they they may not have a job anymore. Okay, okay, okay. So, as you can probably surmise, it was an exciting race. Lots going on, lots of excitement. We're going to take a step back here. We'll give you a, a few statistics to look with. There were nine cars out of this race. And among those nine, most notably, was Kimi Raikkonen. He was the pole sitter. He was fastest at the uh, very opening of the race. And after lap one, it just started falling apart from there. He... Uh, he went wide and he couldn't, he couldn't get into the pits the first lap. Everyone else, everyone else at the end of the first lap were in the pits for intermediate tires. Kimi had to do another full circuit before he got his intermediates. He was slow. Yeah, just he was before, well, just before the pit entrance, uh, he, he straight lined the last chicane. And there's always some question, you know, no question about it. If you, if you gain position by straight lining a chicane or by you know, cutting off a portion of the track, you have to give that position back. Right. Um, he didn't pass anyone by doing this because he was in first place. But then he was going to go into the pits, and then he, you know, very sort of violently and last minute, you know, turned out of the pit lane and back onto the main straight. Um, we're, so we're, we're not sure if that was an order from Ferrari saying, no, 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 we've got, we've got to get uh, Felipe Massa into pit because they've only got one, you know, Ferrari only has one pit stall to work on these cars and to change their tires to wet tires. It's, but for some reason, whether it was just, a, you know, he couldn't hold on to the car and it actually got loose and he had to get back on the track, or whether the, the guys got on the radio and said to uh, to him, you know, hey, there's some question about going through the chicane like this. Or, or there's a small chance that he slid in the in the uh, pit lane, yeah. too, entering the pit lane. It's 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 not 100% clear, but that cost Raikkonen dearly. And he was able to, he was in third place for a while, but then with uh, 26 laps to go, his engine started cutting in and out. Yeah, it looked like he was kind of running out of fuel. The official uh, reason for retirement is hydraulics. So whether that's be- the hydraulics didn't work because the engine wasn't running to, to run or the pumps. Is that what Ferrari wanted us to exactly. know? Exactly. They didn't want us to know that they were had broken calculators and couldn't figure out how much fuel they had. Exactly. Car. But uh, so you know that's the, obviously a sad retirement, and that because Kimi was just getting back into really gunning for the championship and doing really well. So uh, it really sucks for him to be out. And uh, this is a pretty big uh, upset in the drivers' championship. I mean, Lewis Hamilton still has a lead, but down to two. Points. It's a two-point lead now. How yeah. quickly things change. Yeah, and Mark Webber, by being third on the podium, immediately jumps up to tenth spot in the drivers' championship, and uh, which actually catapults Red Bull uh, up into sixth spot in constructors. I mean, past Toyota, and uh, and and brings Webber ahead of you know David Coulthard, Yano Trulli, Nico Rosberg, Takuma Sato, all guys that have done a whole lot of oh, racing yeah. for you know for their few dear points. Well, Red Bull as a team collected ten points today. I yeah. mean that is a phenomenal result for them. I mean that's that's a typical BMW Sauber result, not Red Bull. Yeah, I mean 
Red Bull got more points than Ferrari. I mean, with uh, with Kimi out, you know, the uh, Red Bull and, and McLaren are the only teams that got ten points today. So it's a it's a you know big boost for them. They're actually two points behind Williams Toyota now. Uh, so I, I, this is a crazy race. We can't say this is necessarily indicative of Red Bull really having something brand new for the rest of the field, but well done for uh, for Mark Webber. It's only his second career podium. Oh, certainly. Uh, it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of strategy and luck that that was uh, you know came into play for this podium. But still, it was a well earned podium. Mark's Weber is a solid driver and and certainly deserves the podium. But it was not purely based on car performance. I also want to mention Marcus Winkelhock, who in this you know dramatic turn of events was leading the race and on, on the restart and everything. Uh, about about eight laps after the restart or whatever, just retired, pulled over, and his car was on fire. Oh, yeah. So that was a bit of a heartbreak where, you know, he he got passed on the restart, all the Ferraris, and everyone got around him. I mean, he's in a spiker Ferrari. But he's, he was holding his own. He he, he hard fought. I mean, he, he, you know, tried to battle for those positions. He didn't just let people by, but, uh, you know, people were making their way past him, and then he then he retired. Uh, just, you know, again, it says a hydraulic problem. We saw flames coming out of the exhaust, so we don't yeah. know. These Ferrari engine guys have funny ways of reporting failures. In less than 10 laps time in his debut Formula 1 race, he was last, was first, and then back to last, finishing last, but that does not tell you the whole story. Yeah, he's going to wake up tomorrow and wonder if this was all just a weird dream, because... <laughs> So I mean, you know, big shout out for for Marcus Winkelhock. Well done in your in your debut to uh, to just make the gamble and and you know make it work. But uh, it's too bad that in the end it's all for naught and you uh, have to retire after that. Now let's get back to the championship. As we said, Lewis Hamilton is still in the lead, but he scored zero points today. Two points behind is Alonso. Obviously, this thing is wide open. Moss mm-hmm. is still in the mix, but Raikkonen and Hamilton canceled each other out. He's still 18 points back. He has he gained and lost nothing, so it was kind of a wash for those two. And I don't know if this is fair to Alonso, but those are still kind of the two that I look at most closely, just because uh, there's kind of an old and young. I mean, the way the dynamic is playing out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, at to see, I will now say the way that McLaren and Ferrari are battling each other because of the car's performance is close enough, and because BMW Sauber Sauber's performance is close enough to make a difference, 18 points is not an insurmountable amount in the races we have left. No, I mean, with, especially with the reliability issues we've seen, you know, with Kimi Raikkonen having to retire and so on, it's, you know... And I, Lewis Hamilton proving that he can finish elsewhere than the podium. Yeah, it's actually a new experience for him to not collect points in a Formula 1 race. This is the first time he's uh, he's done that. And he still finished the race. So up until this, I want to mention, you know, McLaren has have, have scored points in every race so far, both cars. Uh, so this is the first time, and and one of the cars wins, and and you know, and Alonso wins, and Hamilton gets zero points. But uh, the McLaren reliability has just been spot on, and uh, and the Ferraris have obviously had issues. One with you know Massa's black flag back in Canada, and uh, you know this is the second race Kimi Raikkonen's had to retire from. So, you know, the Ferrari guys still aren't quite there, and the McLarens, if they can keep up this reliability, I really think are just really strong for the championship. But at the moment, Ferrari does seem to be a little bit faster in the dry. So this is going to be close. If they can sort out this hydraulic issue on Kimi's car, though. Yeah, that hydraulic issue, I mean, you know. Taking a car out of the race is just such an upset for points. That apparently, when, it's when there's close. no fuel in the tank, the hydraulics just don't work that well. Yeah, that may they're going to have to work on that. That really may be the issue. But, okay. What do you think? Do you think Raikkonen's going to have something for Hamilton? Do you think Alonso's going to have something for Hamilton? I'll tell you this. Alonso drove unbelievably well today. 
He really did well. But what's weird is that it's it's never really come down to a four-way shootout. If you think about it, it's always been one or two drivers out for one reason or another in the la- you know, in the last handful of races. It's it's which I guess tells you how much of a factor reliability is. But uh, you know, in, in like in the US, it's it's the top 3 guys, but then Massa's way back there. Or if it, you know, it's in this case Kimi Raikkonen's out, and so it's the top three, you know, and then, and then Lewis Hamilton sent to the back. So it's, but it's like each each race, you know, Ferrari sends one guy, and, and McLaren sends one guy, yeah. uh, and they duke it out. So it, you know, we haven't really seen on track. I mean, it could be an amazing situation if we if there is a race where actually all the cars do, you know, because they, they they usually qualify one, two, three, four. I mean, between the McLarens and the Ferraris. So where they're actually all really close by the last stint, and we could have you know some crazy amazing four-way racing going on, but the way it's worked out, that actually hasn't happened, and it's and that would be really interesting to see, really just on track, you know who's got what for whom here, you know who can really who can really step up because uh, we've seen different amazing moments from all the drivers, uh, the top four I'm talking here, and uh, so I mean I'd like to see Lewis Hamilton do well and continue to do well as you know the last two races have been his worst and. Uh, to uh, you know, but I still like Kimi Raikkonen, and it's you know it's a shame to see him out of this race. He is pretty far back in the in the points now. I mean, he's got 52 points to uh, even Tomasa's 59 or Alonso's 68. So uh, you know he's he's got some work to do. But it's like you say, it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility. If he can still do laps with that are really quick with a heavy load of fuel, and then do the really quick laps when he's light on fuel, Michael Schumacher those, style. Michael Schumacher style have those brilliant events where. When other people's going to the pits, he does super fast laps, and he just comes out on top. If he can do that, he can get those 18 points. I think you're right. I think the Ferrari reliability is going to be key. However, I'm starting to see a little bit of weakness coming from his teammate, Felipe Massa. More and more, he seems to be getting emotional, and I think it's affecting his driving. Now, obviously, we have to be careful here because he finished second and almost won the race. So it's not like he's slow, but he seems to be affected more and more by events on the racetrack, and that could be weakening his chances for the championship. Yeah, maybe just losing focus, where the Iceman is the exact opposite, where he doesn't really seem to emotionally react to just about anything. So having Felipe Massa, yeah, I mean, he's making some sort of uh, you know immature kind of comments and, and actions and so on, and understandably he's going to be upset when he gets passed on the on the last uh, was it the last lap or second to last lap? Yeah. I mean, really close to the end of the race, and and you know it, you know loses the race because of that. I'm um, sure he's going to he's going to be pissed, but to not be professional about it. I mean, we used to see these great scraps, you know, a couple of years ago with you know even Fernando Alonso and Michael Schumacher, and they'd come out of the car and they'd hug each other, and wow, oh, that was a great you know great racing. This is what we do this for, and you know, but you know, Felipe Massa really is getting kind of whiny. Yeah, and where we did see that moment, that was a great moment. Uh, Mark Webber, he finished third, and Alexander Wirtz put on, those two had a huge battle for a good hunk of the race. Yeah. And Wirtz very respectively came up, shook Webber's hand, said, good job, they had a really good moment. And Webber was absolutely ecstatic to be there. The team, when he crossed the start-finish line third, went nuts. Yeah, for Red Bull Racing, obviously it's a huge result for them. And, you know, for Ferrari to win, that's nothing new and nothing too exciting. And they're happy, sure. And, you know, and for, for McLaren to win with, with Alonso this week. But, uh, but yeah, for Red Bull to get on the podium, the guys are just all super excited. Yeah, and, and Alex Verts is excited to be up in fourth as well. So both of those guys, you know, just doing well and, and congratulating each other and so on. So it's good to see that kind of professionalism is, is still around. But, um, you know, this whole deal with Alonso and, and Massa, uh, you know, kind of acting childish and so on, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a little bit weird. Yeah, so all in all, it was it was a great race. A lot of great, exciting things to see. The weather, of course, played a huge part, 
and it was fun to see that variable thrown in and to see how the different drivers handled it. Um, Non-racing news that is pretty important, at least for us, is that it's been announced that the USGP, at the very least for 2008, is not here. It doesn't exist. Well, it's definitely not going to be in Indianapolis. They have not yet for they've not for sure uh, confirmed that there won't be a U.S. Grand Prix, but it would be you know unless something really comes out in the next couple of weeks here, a couple of months, uh, you know, it's putting together a Formula One event is such a huge ordeal that I would be very surprised if they could come up with something. Uh, if we didn't hear in the next couple of weeks if it was going to be, you know, possibly Las Vegas or something else with a street Yeah, circuit. Las Vegas street race has been considered. Um, I would love it. I would love it. Please, 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 Watkins Glen, whoever can make it happen, Watkins Glen, do something about it. They've, they've done USGPs there before. They're fantastic races. That's a great racetrack. I would love to see the USGP at a proper racetrack. We might not have a Spa Francorchamps. We might not have a Nordschleife or Nürburgring. You know, we don't even have an Istanbul, Turkey, or a Silverstone. But Watkins Glen, VIR, Road America, Laguna Seca, there are some really nice mid-Ohio for the more local folks. There are some really good racetracks here, and I would love to see someone step up and try to put together a Formula One event at a proper racetrack. I think that would be good for the sport in this country. Well, and certainly a lot of this whole sport is marketing, and for all the major auto companies that are that make road cars, um, the U.S. is a huge market for buying buying cars. I mean, Honda specifically, I've noticed that every official and every, every, everyone from Honda that's that's had any kind of interview on the subject is saying we're you know we can't wait till there's another USGP, and we really really want to get it back as soon as possible, and if it's not at Indy, then somewhere, but Indy's fine. Um, because a lot of this is just marketing and and getting their getting their brand in front of all these American buyers and so on. So it it you know it was an interesting insight into how much of the of the sport is sport and how much of it is business. And clearly, a lot of it's business because you know Mercedes, especially for lot. the manufacturers, yes, maybe Mercedes a little less so for the private teams like Williams. Yeah, but you know, for Toyota, for Honda, for Mercedes, you know, Renault doesn't really care because they don't sell cars here. But uh, you know, just for all, just all the marketing into things, and I'm sure Ferrari as well. Um, you know, I guess if, if Canada is our closest race, you know, maybe we can bring you coverage from there. But it really, you know, it would be a shame not to have a United States Grand Prix just over, you know, just probably, you know, the negotiations and the amount of money that Bernie Ecclestone was asking for. Right. And if it were up to Honda, they wanted two two events in the yeah, States. Yeah, East Coast and West Coast, which, hey, I'm all for. You yeah. know, VIR and Laguna Seca. Why Let's not? do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Also, I feel like we have to mention the uh, there's this ongoing controversy between McLaren and Ferrari over uh, you know some documents of Ferraris being found with a McLaren guy, uh, you know Mike Coughlin at, at McLaren, and basically we haven't really brought this up in the past because it's uh, right now the only things floating around are sort of speculation and rumors and so on of you know who gave what information to whom and and you know what are the allegations and so on, but the, they're actually going to be in court in the next couple of weeks to decide this coming Thursday, yeah, um, to decide you know. Was anything illegal done, and and what you know who's in, who's at fault, and what should the penalties be? So yeah, the concern is over Ferrari's intellectual property. It's not anything physical that was uh, captured. It was uh, documents and papers, and basically knowledge that could potentially give McLaren an advantage over Ferrari. Yeah, and this was like at the end of the 06 team before 06 uh, season, before 07. Some of the designs for the 07 car, which are extremely valuable to the competitors. And, uh, and somehow these, these documents got into the hands of some McLaren engineers and, and, you know, it's still sort of unclear. There's been a lot of allegations flying back and forth. So, uh, until we sort of have some facts on that, we'll, we'll give you sort of a wrap up of the, of how the case, um, pans out. But, uh, 
they've said it, it seems really unlikely that any points will be taken away or any kind of uh, really Im- you know impact on on the the championship or anything like that. I mean, it's not like the you know the, the McLarens are going to be disqualified from the championship or anything like that. The FIA has confirmed that it's not going to be that kind of drastic. Imagine I, I imagine it'll be some kind of a fine will be paid or something like that, Perhaps. which hopefully won't affect the sport on track too much because it's really a shame uh, to see you know, something like this affect the drivers on track or to, to affect the outcome when it's, you know, more the business than the sport. So. Right. Well, in my corporate ethics training, uh, you don't, if you happen to run into these type of documents, you're not supposed to look at them. So, Ron Dennis, I hope you did the right thing and you kept your... You know, delete this email immediately. Delete that email. Don't show this to anyone. And, yeah. and, and notify the sender, please. Absolutely. Don't, don't look at the Ferrari schematics because you know the race, you know this saying goes in racing... There are winners and there are cheaters. If you're a cheater, you're a loser. There you go. <laughs> so don't cheat. So looking forward, we've got uh, in two weeks we've got the uh, race from Budapest in uh, Hungary, I believe. Yes, a nice tight track. It'll be interesting to see. That's a very, very uh, high technical handling track. It'll be interesting to see that uh, aerodynamics a little less critical, uh, engine power a little less critical. You know, mechanical grip very, very important here. Yeah, and certainly driver skill as important as ever. And a couple of weeks after that, they go to uh, Istanbul, Turkey, and so continuing the uh, European tour. And then Monza later on in, Ooh, in the beginning of Monza's September. Monza's going to be fun. So uh, it'll be a couple of weeks till you hear from us again. But uh, from you know, from covering Germany, we're not in Germany, but uh, <laughs> from scenic Livonia, Michigan, until two weeks from now, I'm Jim Lyle. And I'm Robin Warner. See ya. So I'm just going to go, oh,